0: Hey, how you doing Ignite City? Hey, I wanted to pass on something that stood out to me from no, Numbers 13. This is where um the Lord calls Moses to send uh 12 men, I think it's 12 men, and to spy out the land of Canaan, the promised land. Like he's wanting to take the people in. And the first thing that hit me, I thought, well, I kinda I know the story because I've heard it before, and a lot of people have. It's why even send the spies in? I mean, this is something that God has promised them. Um, I mean, why not just go for it? But I think that there might have been something to it. I actually wrote that down. I actually wrote questions down to God. It didn't feel like he gave me an answer, but um, I asked, was this a faith building time for them? That if you send spies in and um, you see the land and you get excited about it, and then you see that there's opposition, but you actually trust the Lord more than the opposition. Um, So was was this a faith thing? Um, So I don't know. I mean, I just was starting to think through it. Uh, So imagine uh, 12 people go, one of them is named Caleb, and he also sends along Joshua. Um, And notice what Moses says, because what God had said in chapter 13, verse 2, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. Um, And then we get to verse 17, it says this, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. And whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether there are few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. And then it says, be of good be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now, here's the part that, again, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this has any bearing, but it's weird that God says, just send spies into the land of Canaan to see the land. Um because he, he gives the promise, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. When Moses sends him, he says, go and see the land. And then he starts talking about the people and whether they're strong or weak. And if they are few or many, and then about the, the land, if is the land good or bad? And yet God had already said it's a land uh, flowing or f- it's filled or flowing with milk and honey. Um, so you know that it's good. It's this thing. It's this good thing that God wants to give the people of Israel. Um, if it's uh, camps or strongholds, uh, whether the land is rich or poor, it's almost like he, Moses sends him with deeper instructions. Now, God never rebukes him for it. So I don't know if what he said was good or bad. I just know in my head that if I heard, and hey, pay attention to the people, see if they're strong or weak. And then if, if from the outside they look weak, I'm sorry, if they look strong, I start to wonder if I'm if I'm too weak, um, if, I look, if there's too many of them man, we can't handle that. So I don't know. I mean, I was just kind of trying to figure out if Moses maybe stepped a little too far with the influence that he has, um, that he had, I'm sorry, with the people. Did he step too far and giving them specific instructions that might have casted doubt on them? So the the, the spies come back um, and all but Caleb and then Joshua uh, goes along with Caleb, but all of them except. Uh, Caleb, they talk about how it is a land that flows with milk and honey in verse 27. But then verse 28, However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak. Uh, The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, starts going through it. And then you get to verse 30, it says, I'm sorry, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses. So picture 11 out of the 12 they're they're saying there's no way that we can do this. The only one, and the only one, Caleb, and then you'll see that Joshua as well, they believed, but, jo- but Caleb was, he was set. I mean, he knew that we could, we could take this. There's nothing holding us back. Uh, he even says, when he cried to the people, he said to Moses in verse 30, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. So he has this faith. He has this belief that they can actually do it. But those who were against it, they said absolutely not. There's no way. There's no way that this can happen. There's no way that this can happen. And then they started to they started to speak to all the people and the people rebelled. and then they start to they start to complain about Moses and Aaron. and we get to verse when you get to verse three, actually let's go to verse two, and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Uh, And said this, uh, I'm sorry, the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Guys, real quick, you know how often, yeah, I feel like, well, I'll just say it for myself. You know how often I want to tell God that if he doesn't come through, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yet God gives these promises, but I know God. If you don't come through, then it's going to be so bad that so why would God send us out here to die, and why would He make our wives and our little ones become become prey? And then He goes on, would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt, guys? When we jump to conclusions, thinking we know what's going to happen if God doesn't come through, one should we really ever doubt that God's going to come through? Uh, even when you read in Luke chapter, I think it's chapter twelve, and Matthew chapter six. That we're not supposed to be anxious about anything. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to seek first the kingdom and kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of our needs. He says, I'll give those to you, but don't seek after those things. Just seek after God and his and, and a right relationship with him. But friends, I feel like we're all well, I'll say for me, and you you agree if you if you want to. A lot of times I am guilty of forgetting God's ability because of the circumstances there that are either told to me or I see for myself. Instead of living by faith, I allow fear to take over. And then I jump to conclusions that aren't even true to reality. And then you look at verse 4. And they said to one another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, this is what hit me about about what they said there. It wasn't a leader that they wanted. See, a leader leader continues to move forward, especially if it's a follower of Christ and they're called to lead God's people. Um, The leader will continue to move forward with wherever God is saying to go. And if people start to push against it, it's okay. We love them through it. We continue to move forward. But we want to continue to go where God says to go. Even if it gets uncomfortable and we're uncertain, there is something that God is doing in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives that we would become true followers of Jesus who truly do trust him, no matter what comes our way, no matter what we have to face. And so when they say, um, in in verse four, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They didn't want a leader who would continue to move forward. They actually just wanted somebody that would agree with them and knew the way home. And when I say home, I put that in quotes. They knew the way back to slavery. They knew back they 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 knew how to get back to what they knew before. Friends, I feel like there's always this line. See, God will continue to move us forward, we walk with Him, and then we hit this line. And that line is going to be uncomfortable for us to cross, because we've never gone past that point. And God wants to continue to, I'm sorry, He invites us and calls us to continue to walk with Him, no matter what, and He'll continually make us go back to cross these lines. But all of a sudden, if if there comes a line and it is too much for us, we just can't handle it, we're too afraid. We want to retreat back to what we know, what's comfortable. Like I said, they don't want a leader. They don't want somebody to lead them forward. What they want is a person who agrees with them. Then they can call them a leader, but that leader will only lead them back to where they've been. But friends, that's not really a leader. That's I, I don't even know the word, the best word that would that would describe that type of person. But it's not a leader. I feel like again it's just a person who knows where they've been and knows how to get back there. So I guess it could be a leader, but it's a it's a leader to retreat back to what's comfortable rather than a leader that's moving forward to what it is that God's actually calling them and wanting them to do. And friends, may we never may we never just want someone uh, to lead us back to what's comfortable, but we, may we always want to move forward with what it is that God's wanting us to do, even if it gets unbelievably comfortable. Or, I'm sorry, unbelievably uncomfortable. So what's what's the response of Moses there? They fall to the ground, they start to cry out um, before the assembly, and Joshua the son of Nun, verse six, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes, and then they said to all the congregation. The land which we pass through to spite out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Guys, I think that's the thing that God will constantly bring us back to. When we face something that's difficult, he's like, you could look at that or you could remember that the Lord, and for them, the one who split the Red Sea so you could walk across it, the one who's provided for you in the desert thus far, the one who's done miraculous things among you, he's with you. Guys, and so what happens, what do they do? They, they still can, they, I, I don't want this. They're like, oh, we don't want this. We don't want this. And look at look at God's response. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? Man, what a question. Man, and I know we can look at God and say, "Well, He has no emotions. We do. We know that He does. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We saw Jesus cry uh, when Lazarus, when He heard or when He saw that Lazarus was dead. God can be moved. But he says, How long? How long will this people despise Me, and how long will they not believe in Me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them?'" And I had to I had to look at that and go God I am so sorry for those times that I have not trusted in you especially when I look at how faithful you have been to me throughout the years and then all of a sudden God strikes <laughs> God strikes them with pestilence and I would say He threatens He says I will strike them with pestilence and dis- and disinherit them and I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they He's speaking to Moses. And Moses actually sticks up for the people of Israel. He, he stands in the gap. And I think that this was a testing time for him as well. I think God was, was wanting to see Moses stand in the gap for the people of Israel because that's what a good shepherd does. He even makes this, uh, makes this request in verse 17. He says, And now please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love forgiving iniquity and transgression but he will by no but he will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now god's response says that he heard what moses had to say he says i have pardoned according to your word But then he says this, But truly, as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times, and have not obeyed my voice, shall see the land that I swore to give their fathers. And none of those who despised me shall see it. And then you get to verse 24. But, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, And has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. That statement about Caleb. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, and has followed me fully. Guys, that made me think of Luke chapter 9, verse 23. At least that's the passage that popped into my head. Where Jesus says "If this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Friends, I've shared this uh, a lot over the last few years, especially, that we're called to be disciples of Jesus. See, as the church, we're called to make disciples, to make followers or learners or pupils. Any of those words work there when we say disciple. That we're not just called to go out and get people to, to say some prayer and then move on. We're actually supposed to take them to a place where they... They, they confess the lordship of Jesus. They confess that Jesus is master. They believe that he died on a cross, came back from the dead, and they receive. They receive the gift of salvation while all at the same time accepting the invitation to follow Jesus. And followers of Jesus, friends, God expects us to fully follow him. Notice what it says about Caleb in verse 24, Numbers chapter 14. But my servant Caleb, because one, he has a different spirit. Friends, followers of Jesus, because we surrendered our life to the lordship of Jesus, because we believe that he died on a cross in our place, came back from the dead, meaning that he has victory over sin and death, which means therefore we have victory over sin and death. Friends, when we call out to him, we are given salvation. But when we're calling out to him and we say, I confess that your Lord is, what I'm doing is I'm saying, I'll I'm yours. I have nothing to do with myself. We become followers of Jesus. We 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 accept his invitation to follow and we receive the Holy Spirit. So I can sit there and look at that passage and go, okay, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit, friends, we have a different spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and because the Holy Spirit's in us. My prayer is that it impacts our spirit, our souls in such a way that we will follow Jesus fully. And what he says and how he defines that is that anyone who would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, take up his death, like be willing to die and follow me. Jesus is saying, follow me. So we follow Jesus no matter what it takes. In other words, We follow Him fully. Guys, in the Old Testament, New Testament, we see this concept that God has invited us to follow, but He expects everything. And we could look and say, well, that's pretty selfish, except that He deserves everything. And there's no one and nothing greater than God. And so for us to sit and go, oh, well, that's selfish, guys, the greatest thing that we can ever have is Jesus. He's the greatest good. And so, what we get out of following Jesus is Jesus. So, what God is actually inviting us to and to fully commit to, that we become followers who fully follow Him. Guys, we get the best. We get Him. He's offering Himself. Friends, what an invitation. But also remember hold on to it. We're called to fully follow Him, fully commit. There is no, well, I'll give Jesus 20% and then I'm just going to ease my way into the deep end of God. It's all or nothing. It's all in. It's when we recognize the value of the one who's given us the invitation to follow him that we are willing to give everything up to follow him. And if we say, I'm going to follow him, we want to become like him. If we say that we love him, we're going to do the things that Jesus did while he was on the planet. If we say that we love him, we're going to obey him. Friends, it was a, man, what a challenge for me this morning. I was able to confess things and deal with some things, repent from some things, and there's freedom in that. But what a beautiful challenge and reminder of what it is that we've been invited to. Friends, I hope this is helpful. Hope it's challenging, encouraging. Love you guys more than you know. We'll talk soon.